0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn
1: more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes.
2: All right. Yeah, I know.
3: This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by
4: managers.
2: shepherds watched their flocks by night or seated on the ground. The angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Fear not, said home for mighty dread to seize their troubled mind. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind.
5: Bye. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here. Philippa Hall, a modern dairy woman at work.
6: And Quentin Rayner, because she can't resist a man in a hairnet.
5: And despite the obvious risk to us from mixing with incontinent animals, we've still invited you lot, our lovely Dumpty Dummers. This week's Dumpty Dum tune is from Mia. She's
6: lost the plot, hasn't she? She's lost the plot.
5: <laughs> oh, or she's found the plot, whichever she's winning. Send help. Mia needs help. <laughs> fabulous. Lovely Christmas, tune. Uh, and we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Rob, Carolyn, Linda, formerly cycling Christine, Claire from Clapham, Helen from Rotherham, God Squad Mia, Carolyn from Anglesey, Catherine and Kate, Witherspoon, Dr Becky, Charles, Catherine and Anon of Ambridge. My goodness. So also we've got Tweet of the Week, a very special Tweet of the Week this time. We've got the Facebook roundup, predictions for next week, another dum book dum item.
6: That's just about taking up all the time, isn't it?
5: So yes, and list? we don't talk. That's why people are calling in, I think. Yeah. Flutter with calls and we
6: don't have to hear from them, yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> right. But what have you been up to since Clary started plucking those darned turkeys?
6: Yes, I, I, I've, I've been gadding about town, Philippa. Two trips to <laughs> London this week. Yes, very cultural I've been. Um, uh, I've taken in a Christmas concert uh, a new play at the Young Vic called Best of Enemies by James Graham. Wonderful playwright. He is uh, up and coming. Uh, he, in fact, he's from Nottinghamshire, not many miles from where I'm sitting, actually, from Kirkby and Ashfield. I uh, went to see a Sunday musical, Merrily We Roll Along, performed by my youngest daughter and fellow cast members at their musical theatre college, which was brilliant. When we In one of the trips to London, I had to go to and, and drop off some stuff at a church in Soho, and I met a priest. And you know how you get talking to people, and you think there's more to this guy than meets the eye. Lovely fella. Anyway, he revealed during our conversation that he used to be a spitting image puppeteer.
1: <laughs> what?
6: And, and uh, he's still keeping his hand in—pun intended—by <laughs> uh, working on, on on the latest Wes Anderson movie. So I, I, I love that when you um, discover that about people, don't you? That um, they suddenly surprise you. Yeah. And uh, I've cracked most of my Christmas shopping in one go. <sighs> Which I was through. You know those days when it all happens. You no. walk into a shop, you find no. it. I do have lots of ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, you have. You haven't had that. Although the doorbell no. rang just now, it's for Amazon. So well done.
5: Yes. Yeah. Well, I think this week uh, I've suffered from an overdose. Uh, well, it was particularly yesterday, an overdose of Brussels sprouts. I didn't know this was a thing, but I decided to make a nice lunch for the family. Roast chicken, rice, gravy, Yorkshire pudding. It's always always goes down well. Uh, and I decided to do the Brussels sprouts. It takes so long to prepare them, and I'm the only one who eats them. So I thought, well, I've prepared them. I'm going to eat every last one of them. And, uh, yeah, didn't feel so good afterwards, I have to say. <clears throat>
6: this conjures up so many horrible images i'm just oh dear You, you you gorging on a bowl a saucepan let's be honest of brussels sprouts
5: yeah, and cold ones, because I'd, obviously I've had hot ones with the, with the meal, but then later on in the afternoon, I thought, oh, I feel a bit peckish. I'm working on stuff for dum-de-dum. Um, yeah. What shall I eat? I'll eat yeah. these cold Brussels sprouts. Yes, mm-hmm. it's uh, it was an interesting 24 hours, but all's well now. Anyway, Quentin, yes. it's been a week since we last plugged in our pipes. What's been pouring into the drains in Ambridge?
6: Well, of course, this week has been all about a woman having the courage of her evictions. (laughs) Hazel Woolley says Ambridge holds so many happy memories for her, but she's delighted in dredging up miserable ones for others. All has been revealed in this newly discovered letter to her father, passed on to us by Kate.
5: "'My darling Daddy, I've been such a naughty girl. "'I started the week by having a good nose around Ambridge Hall, "'uninvited, and reminded that upstart Linda that you used to own it. "'I tugged at the old heartstrings about you building me a den in the garden.' The last time I saw Madame MBE was when we were at Daggers drawn over my inspired plan to convert the shop into flats. So I dropped in a platitude about the importance of community. It seemed to do the trick. (coughs) Talking of the shop, I've decided to move into the flat above. Remember the one you bequeathed to me? Of course, it means evicting Tom and that Welsh wife of his, Natasha, who'd obviously been cleaning the place beforehand because it reeked of bleach. Mind you, I'd forgotten how steep those stairs are. I was obliged to give them two months' notice before I can turf them out. (laughs) But yippee, I've managed to halve that. It completely slipped my mind that I'd also evicted Fallon from that flat years ago. As luck would have it, she started fighting their corner and let on that Natasha was using it for her business. Bingo. It violates the terms of their lease. I threatened eviction in a fortnight. But since they're meant to be family, I split the difference and gave them a month. Tom suggested I was behaving like Scrooge, (laughs) which I rather liked. "'As a peace offering, I decided to buy a turkey for Bridge Farm. "'I ruined a perfectly decent pair of shoes, "'choosing a bird from those ghastly Grundys. "'Eddie seemed rather hostile. "'He even asked if I'd like to kill the creature myself. "'I'd quite forgotten that I'd evicted them "'from Keeper's Cottage after the flood, "'and I had no idea that old man Joe had died. "'His son made out he'd never got over "'being so heartlessly evicted.' But as you know, dear Daddy, I am all heart. So I went over to the archers to pour some oil on troubled waters. I came away chuckling about my new nickname for Tony's wife, Pushover Pat, who's going to smooth things over for me with Tom and Natasha. Oh, dear... Daddy, it's so good to have rediscovered my bolt hole, my haven, the place where I belong. Ambridge, ha, 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 is where I am truly happy. Ha, ha,
6: ha, ha. Cool, I'm truly
5: scared. Brilliant. <laughs> Was that Did a bit you... OTT? Yes. ha. <laughs>
6: But <laughs> why not? Brilliant, <laughs> bravo! Well, I just—I'll t- tag a bit more on the, on, on the end here. Uh, so, quite a lot to talk about there. Not much else to mention really, apart from uh, Bert's funeral. Johnny says he can't act. Credit cards. Claxon. Bridge Farm wants to put a photo of a cow on its Christmas card, so that rules out the Montbelliards. Monty took the piss all over Susan. Oh, and Natasha's up the duff.
5: Anyway, what did you, our fabulous dumdy dummers, make of it all? Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. And first of all, we have Linda, who is back after a break for some Christmas observations.
7: Hi, folks. It's Lindy Lou here, or Linda Miller in Wanstead. I've not called in for quite a while. Really, because I've not been enjoying the archers this year in the same way as I usually do. I've been in that. It's mainly due to the Alice storyline. I have to say, I've been in that dilemma of not wanting to listen but have to listen because I need to know what happens next. So I'm listening while I'm not wanting to listen. I wonder if any other dumpty dummers had the same problem. My main reason for calling, callering in today is to talk about the seasonality of the current storylines. First of all, we have a young pregnant woman with her husband with nowhere to stay. Secondly, the scriptwriters have given us an arch pantomime villain to boo and hiss at. All of this is getting us into the spirit of Christmas. Um, I wonder if... It was deliberate. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was because nothing the scriptwriters do is by accident, is it? So Merry Christmas to everybody, all Dumpty Dummers everywhere. And thanks Philippa and Quentin for a great podcast. Bye.
6: Great to hear from you again, Lindy Lou, and good to have you back on the airways of Dumpty Dum. So please do keep calling in. We don't like it when people disappear, do we, Philippa? No,
5: we'll good start to have, to have worry you back. About them
6: like all the silent characters in the archers isn't it <laughs> yes, <we laughs> a don't silent that. Dumpty there's a room <laughs> full of silent archers characters with silent dumpty dummers come back <laughs>
5: um
6: i'm just gonna i'll pick up on the seasonality point in a minute but do you know she mentioned alice not wanting to listen but having to listen just to keep up we've all been there haven't we i think mm-hmm. probably felt that during the the, the monologues didn't we um, Oh gosh yes god where are we with alice do you know how you quickly you forget she's where is she at the moment alice what's she doing
5: well Last we heard out. she was playing happily, getting divorced families with Chris, with Chris yeah. back in the cottage with Martha, and Alice, yeah. I think still living with her parents, but who knows?
6: Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you forget, isn't it? You're subsumed by other storylines like Hazel. Yes. So, thank you for that uh, up, update, <laughs> Philippa. Uh, I needed that um, seasonality. Yeah, I, clever. I hadn't thought of that. Yes, the analogy to uh, a pregnant woman with homeless at Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, <laughs> like it. Uh, obviously, Natasha is as pure as the virgin Mary. Um, <clears throat> perhaps they'll find a stall in, in the Grange Farm, <laughs> in amongst the turkeys. <laughs> uh, that'll that'll be quite an image uh, and of course the panto villain Hazel yes mm. clever hey eh? I missed all that subtext like, like a bit of subtext what do you yeah,
5: say, I, I think yeah. Uh, Hazel sounds like the the baron in a pantomime. She'll be getting Harrison to come out next with the hear ye, hear ye nonsense before reading out a decree that she's going to take over Ambridge. But th- we're not going to have Hazel over Christmas. This is such a shame. She's moving away Trish and then weeks. coming back in mm. the new year. No, I want to hear Hazel ruining people's Christmas. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm bitter and twisted.
6: I, I think you've allowed the character to get to you, but yeah, I think it's... <laughs> Are you method acting now?
5: Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, Ch- channeling
6: your inner Hazel.
5: But uh, yeah, thank you, Linda. That was or Lindy Lou, I should say. Thank you so much for your call. That was wonderful. And now we go to Rob, who has some insider knowledge on turkey plucking.
8: Hi there. It has just dawned on me that I never actually say hello. So hello to Quentin and Philippa and all the other Dumpty Dummers out there across the world. Right. Just how big is Ambridge? Hazel Woolley has been banging on about how precious the village is to her being brought up there by her darling daddy but says things like you know them, do you? When people say, what? Tom and Natasha? After you've said you've asked them to move out? I mean, I know the name of some of my neighbours but I live on the out-fringes of a largest conurbation rather than in, in a small village. Still This was a chance for the Grundy's to claw their way back into the soft spot of people's hearts after making Hazel walk across the slurry and shite of a turkey farm. Incidentally, I think the Grundy's are missing a trick. My first in-laws had a dairy farm in Uxford, and they used to keep and raise turkeys for a bit of extra cash up towards Christmas. The thing is, when you're gutting the beasts, keep track of the size of them and have a range of buckets for the different sizes. Then you can throw all the giblets Small bird, small bucket, big bird, big bucket, and so on. Then he can fine-tune the orders by putting the giblets of a larger bird into a smaller one to adjust the weights. If only Grundy, per Eddie will know what that means, hadn't been so willfully ignorant of how much Clary hates turkey plucking. Sitting down, listening to the radio, is no recompense. Laters all...
5: Rob, I had no idea that this went on. You put the large giblets in the small turkey giblets to increase the weight. This is a revelation. Good grief. That's a that's a shock for me. Did you know that, Quentin?
6: Well, you'll be measuring your giblets in future, won't you? You'll be weighing your giblets.
5: <laughs> no, I don't like dealing with anything
6: like that, thank you very much. Well, you may recall a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast, I did say that I'm familiar with this ghastly yes. trade.
5: But did you actually know about this practice?
6: I didn't. I never got near the giblets.
5: That was one area. I
6: didn't have to do the gutting. I just did the plucking. Um, So when Clary says it's a miserable job, it is. I can concur because I've done it. And um, the image of Clary listening to the radio, and I know I mentioned this before, we were listening to the radio all the time. And whenever, as I said, I hear, do you think I'm sexy from Rod Stewart, number one, in December 1978, I'm back in that shed plucking turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> that was on the radio. Yeah.
5: Did you know that Clary had a week off every year at this time? I mean, I know she's been plucking every year, but I don't remember no uh, mention of it.
6: Hence, curses in the dairy. Yes. yes uh, but first mention. Seemed... First mention. Yeah. Um, it also it, it did inflame a lot of people on on uh, the social medias about uh, the idea that turkey plucking is women's work. Yes. Um, understandably and like well, i can prove as in 1978 it wasn't it isn't the case um but uh, i could see why people got fed up about that uh but god I, in a cold cold december day all my fingers were numb and you, what you wanted most were all the feathers to accumulate on the floor because then you got warm feet then it would come in and clear oh, all the feathers
5: you.
6: and you get freezing feet until the floor filled up again yeah sorry if you're eating your uh, breakfast or whatever over this but there you go
5: Oh, that, that was lovely. Well, thanks. <laughs> um,
6: thanks for your helpful. insight, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> share your, yes. I share your disgust.
5: <laughs> Thank you both so much for that uh, <laughs> gem as we approach uh, Christmas itself. Lovely. Well, let's go on to our formerly cycling Christine, because she has thoughts on Natasha.
9: Hello, Philippa, Quentin and all fellow dum to dumbers This is formerly cycling Christine here. First of all, I'd like to say how much I enjoyed being taken through all the different people that Hazel Woolley has evicted over the years this week. It gives us good context of how awful she really is. I just, I'd just like to make a couple of other points. Firstly, on the eviction, why don't Tom and Natasha just sit tight for a while Uh, Hazel can't get them out without going to court which takes quite a bit of time takes quite a lot of money and will give them several more months to find somewhere suitable to live I know this from past experience because when we returned from cycling the world our tenants refused to get out of the house and we had to take them to court and then they moved out three days before the bailiffs were due in having cost them nothing having had extra months there and leaving us Having struggling to get them out. On a completely different tack, I just can't understand the scriptwriters going down the line of Natasha finding out she's pregnant, telling Fallon, and Tom not knowing about it. They've been trying for a baby for ages. Surely to goodness, the minute she suspects she's pregnant, then... They do a pregnancy test or she does a pregnancy test and they find out the results together at the same time. There's no way you do it that way. It's just ridiculous because it's something you share with your husband as soon as you possibly can. Anyway, thanks very much and enjoy the show as ever. Bye.
6: Bye, Christine. Enjoy your calls as ever. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, good point about that pregnancy. Because she just dropped in, didn't she, with Fallon. and We've been trying for ages and I'm pregnant. It's all great mm-hmm. news. Yeah, uh, you would think you would tell your husband first. What does that say about Tom? <laughs> rather, oh, yes. You'd rather tell Fallon <laughs> in a fit of pique than your husband. Um, Poetic license, I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. They just, it helped the story tick along, I suppose. But yes, it's implausible. Do you agree? Whose
5: child is it, do you think? Is it Tom's? Oh, yes. Go on. Oh, give me that illicit love affair. Let it, I know it's not, but let me.
6: <clears throat> it's Brian's, isn't it?
5: <laughs> oh, no. No.
6: He, he needs another child.
5: I have a theory about Hazel.
6: Is this going to take a long time?
5: Sit down, get comfortable.
6: Just put, the kettle, just put the kettle on.
5: Okay, so first, but when we heard it with Tom and Natasha, in one breath she's telling them to move out, and then the next breath she's ta- saying in this sweet voice, oh, the tea's gone cold, can she have some, some more tea? You know, it's odd. So I think Hazel is Gollum. My precious. Um, you know, one minute you feel sorry for them, the next minute mm. they snap your arm off and are trying mm. to eat it behind your back. The, sort mm. of these two voices. And we hear the two voices with Hazel. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, Hazel is Gollum.
6: She is sinister, isn't she? I mean, she's passive aggression incarnate, isn't she? It's it. You see, I don't, and I think we'll get onto this later, I don't mm-hmm. buy the fact she's had COVID or not as bad as she's making out. I think it's a cover because if she keeps bleating on how ill she is, then you can't really be nasty back, can you? But then she gives her plenty of room to be nasty. So she's mm. playing a blinder. Uh, she is absolutely running rings around everybody emotionally, except Eddie. He got he He was good Eddie this week. He redeemed he himself. Was. Oh, yes. I love that scene. He was And straight good.
5: away, when someone says she yeah. nice, he said it won't wash. Yeah, straight yeah. away he knew.
6: And he, he made up, 15 minutes at the farm utterly miserable brilliant I thought that was in terms of painting pictures that was so well done and yeah you know the bitterness in his voice when he was talking to Ed after she left was palpable and it was really authentic I thought the the, the deep bitterness and frankly hatred of her Uh, Mm. so it was a good, good bit of scripting good bit of acting
5: yeah, it was it was lovely to listen to. And from one thing that's lovely to listen to, to another, we go to God Squad Mia. And uh, Mia has views on one-dimensional Johnny and horrible Hazel.
2: Hello, dumpty Dumpeeps worldwide. This is God Squad Mia, caller in a ring from Newcastle Land. I hope you're all well. So we have poor Johnny One Nod, who can only seem to do one thing at a time. Milk a cow. Take a photo, speak on the same note. And there's Hazel Woolley, who's suffering from long COVID. And we're now going to suffer from long Hazel. She seems to have righteousness on her side with regards to her properties. But her deep personal insecurity seems to be overwhelming her to the point that her whole world has completely narrowed. She's a lost person and very lonely but doesn't have any idea how to communicate with other people on a more human level. It's all a mask and a front, and she's frightened of exposing her vulnerability. This is my understanding of her, but having said that, I don't have any sympathy for her, as she's a deeply unlikable Montbelliard. Anyway, have a good week, everybody. This is God Squad Mia saying amen. Bye.
5: Amen, God's God. Me, that's a very interesting call and in your view there, because yes, I think you. You are exposing sort of what, what is Hazel underneath, unless she is complete completely evil. We have yet to see. But, yeah, she's uh, sort of lost, lonely, doesn't know how to communicate, frightened of exposing her vulnerability. I'd much rather just say she's uh, thoroughly evil. But, um, yes, mm. we'll all be suffering from uh, long, long Hazel, I imagine. Mm. And, yeah, Johnny, the photographer. Johnny only has one good eye, apparently, <laughs> and he thinks that hairnets in the Christmas card it's a great thing to do. Um, he also said that uh, the, the backside was not the best part of the cow. Seriously, you've got a list of your favourite parts of the cow, Johnny? And these poor cows, they've been inside for winter, lovely and warm, and then suddenly they're led out into this freezing cold field so Johnny can take photos. I mean, I think they were trying to escape.
6: Why, why didn't he just photograph the cold cows that Linda was up set about yeah. the other week
5: too much mud couldn't actually make yes. the cows out from the mud
6: I, again I, I did enjoy that that uh being peed on by them by the montbelliard that was good as well that was funny oh, i thought I they, just, I thought I they just, played that well
5: i felt so sorry for susan so susan <laughs> is completely covered they let her get changed but they just put her clothes in a bag soaking they don't wash them Oh no, we won't wash. We won't help. Let's just put all the clothes in the bag so that they're really going to just get even worse. Uh, she, just no. She she
6: she got to dress up in pats.
5: <sighs> Poor Susan this week. I felt so sorry for her.
6: Yeah, she, she 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 had a she had a rough time, didn't she? This week. Um, I mean, imagine being accused of being a gossip. Outrageous. absolutely outrageous. But Natasha but, was, was was out was 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 out. Yeah, she she didn't uh, deserve to pile in like that so um our sympathies are with susan this week definitely mm. interesting though that uh, God's god squad mia has put her dog collar on briefly for a call to say that she thinks that horrible hazel is very lonely uh, mm. is uh, frightened of exposing her vulnerability uh, and so forth and she did garner a bit of sympathy on the old social medias hazel really? Yeah, lovely people like Jane Bramley on Twitter were saying she's obviously, you know, had a terrible childhood. We've heard about this, that she hasn't been happy since she was a child. So there's a huge void in her life, and this might explain why she is uh, behaving so abominably with the good folk of Ambridge. So, you know, nicer folk than you and me are, are cutting her a bit of slack, but I'm afraid I think she's uh, she's got evil running through her, that one. Yeah.
5: I I agree. I, and it's just nice to have some a character like that. It's like a breath of fresh air to have her back in Ambridge. And another breath breath of fresh air is our Helen from Rotherham, who has a request for the scriptwriters.
10: Hello, Philippa Quentin and everybody in Dumpty Dumland. It's Helen from Rotherham here. Um, just to say two things, really. Firstly, does Eddie really think that he's going to get away with selling the same turkey twice as in to Hazel and to Bridge Farm? Does he not think that Hazel is going to take try and take some credit for her gesture of goodwill in buying them a turkey, and it's all going to come to light? Does you know, surely he'd have done better just to sell two turkeys and let them have that awkward moment of, how do you think, you know, do you honestly think we've got halfway through December without ordering our turkey kind of thing? Um, secondly, sorry, my little boys wanting to put his views on arches as well. Um, but secondly, um. I really hope that with this story with uh, Natasha being pregnant, that they actually follow up the feelings that Tom might have, following the fact that he's already got a child who sadly passed away with Kirsty, um, you know, and how he might be feeling, experiencing, not that Tom is experiencing the pregnancy in his body, but he's experiencing expecting another child after a loss um personally I have had pregnancy after loss and I know it can be different for mums than it is for dads but it still affects the father and I think it'd be really interesting if um the script writers kind of explored that a little bit more and I hope it's not just overlooked or forgotten or just kind of briefly commented on it would be really interesting (laughs) to see anyway thank you for the podcast it's fantastic every single week and I really appreciate it have a great week
6: Oh, how lovely to hear from you again, Helen, from Rotherham. Mm. Um, I always like the way she tells us she's from Rotherham. <laughs> and uh, ably uh, and uh, abetted by your little boy. Mm. Um, and last week, of course, we spotted that uh, Catherine was calling from her bath. I think definitely, they, you know... Just caught a little splash, didn't we, last week? There was definitely a baby in that call, wasn't there? Uh, uh, no doubt.
5: Yes, well done, no. Quentin. Yeah, I definitely well,
6: spotted a baby.
5: Definitely, you're very clever, a baby. Quentin. Um, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm amazed by that. Yes,
6: yeah, uh, <clears throat> and being a man and all that, spotting a baby's cry, amazing. Uh, but picking up on our last point about she's in, been interested in Tom's feelings about Natasha being mm. pregnant, having lost a baby with Kirsty. Um, Yes, Helen, I I really, that really chimed with me because uh, we lost uh, two uh, pregnancies through miscarriage. So um, it it does affect the man. Obviously, the majority of the focus is quite rightly on the the mother, but um, uh, it it does stay with you. And uh, the, 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 the question that really threw me (laughs) <laughs> at the time was when my father asked me, well, how are you feeling about it? And I hadn't even thought about that. And I it stopped me in my tracks. So, um, I think that is an area you could explore, but, um, equally, um, it's good to be reminded about losing the baby with Kirsty. Another, another storyline in the far distant past and you think, oh yes. And that, that has been mentioned by quite a few people, and um, sympathy for Kirsty. How is the announcement that Natasha is pregnant going to affect Kirsty? Because mm. it's another thing for her to deal with, isn't it?
5: Yes, I mean, I uh, we've experienced miscarriages as well. It's funny oh, how right. many people have when you yeah. talk about yeah. it. But yeah, it's particularly when you, if you've just uh, lost a baby, and then um, a, f- a friend is having a successful pregnancy mm. and trying on maternity clothes, and you, you know, you're still happy for them, but it's. Um, it's incredibly hard and all you want to do is go to a scan and hear the, hear the heartbeat that's uh, yeah. you know we seem to yeah. spend our our yeah. lives at, yes. at one yeah. time or another just in hospital rooms waiting trying to hear heartbeats but it's interesting to hear you know your side of things quentin and that um you know how how you felt about it and that it does stay with you were you very worried then when the when your wife was pregnant again
6: yes i mean our first thought was does that mean um you know we, we won't have a successful pregnancy and yeah her mm. immediate instinct was to want to try again as quickly as possible um but of course the, the body has to recover and so forth mm. and then it happened again and all the same fears come back again yes but but you are bolstered by the fact that yeah you know, we'd had a child in between so we knew we could do it oh, um, I see. yes um but I've, you know, I've had friends and colleagues who've had even worse experiences, you know, um, so it is very common. But what Helen says is interesting. I think um, the father's feelings and viewpoint do get uh, put on the back burner to a certain mm. extent for the reasons I, I, I accept and acknowledge just now.
5: Yeah, it's such um, a difficult issue, but I think the more we talk about it, the, the you know, the more it becomes... Um, Acceptable is the wrong word, but just something that p- people realise it does happen to so many people, and it's good to talk about it, and it affects everybody. Yes, individually, not just as a couple, but uh, yeah. Because
6: as a couple, you're a bit not um, not embarrassed. Embarrassed is not the wrong word, but um, reticent about talking about it, aren't you? Um, yes. Because it's deeply personal, but um, deeply worrying. And but then when you do talk, you realise how common it is
5: yes and i don't know about you but i just got fed up of people telling me oh it's nature's way of clearing out the system ready for a, a, a pregnancy that'll that'll work i just think, I, I don't need this um <laughs> did you were you ever told that i had that so many times yeah yeah we
6: were but um in a way we sort of took, took that tack as well in I that
11: really
6: are, right. well we just thought well it wasn't meant to be and if it yeah. wasn't meant to be, if it's nature's way of saying not this time um, and it's for the best that it doesn't happen, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would sort of just desperately reassure us, ourselves with a successful pregnancy. Yeah. And that's, there's always that big question at the back of your mind.
5: Yes. Yeah, so you just think, well, how many... Clearing out are required. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that. No, yeah, well. and you
6: too. I didn't. We didn't know this about each other. No, so.
5: we didn't. So, yeah. so, there we go. So, yeah, uh, Helen, thank you so much for your call, um, and for your son taking part. And uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, do do call again.
6: We want your son to call in in about twenty years' time. <laughs>
5: It doesn't have to wait that long. We're we're, we're fine, and it probably
6: make more sense just gurgling in the background than most of our callers, yeah.
5: <laughs> do you know. And what I do want to say as well about Natasha being pregnant, I I I don't like this sort of inference I got this week that it's it's oh it's Natasha and her hormones because again I think that's a bit of trite traditional view of the woman gets pregnant oh and she gets all hormone mm. and yes I appreciate hormones are at work but. Um, I I like Natasha to be strong and I don't want it just to be the, the pregnancy hormones. But there we go. Enough of me. Let's get on to Catherine and Kate, a double act of information about Fabrice, Chelsea and Ambridge in general.
3: Hi Dumpty Dum, it's uh, Catherine and I've brought along my new sidekick, Kate. Hiya. So we're sitting in our car, we've just been out for a pub lunch, we feel like Christmas people, because it was festive. Anyway, we had a very long conversation about Fabrice.
4: We
12: did.
3: Probably longer than anybody's ever had
12: in real life. Kate, tell of our objection. Uh, Fabrice is a throwback to the 1950s, not even our Parents, God rest their souls. In most cases, have a dedicated hairdresser <laughs> with a faux French name. It just doesn't work. It's bollocks. And
3: also, we th- yeah Fabrice, and also my, my hairdresser is called Rosie. For right, example. Called Carla. There you are, normal people. Also, we think that the Horribin minor. What's her name? Tracy's, you know, you're useless. She's worse than me. Uh, right, we think that she should do, also train in beauty, like an NVQ in beauty. And she should offer waxing because we think Adam is ripe to be waxed yes, everywhere. Every, <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely. You can tell what kind of lunch it was. So Adam should do waxing. And um, I'm going to phone back later about the accommodation issue because it's been just bothering me all week for a long time for a long time but yes also normal things they don't do like buy a car have a new kitchen put in it's quite stressful at the moment for me um just normal things go on holiday nobody ever goes on holiday
12: there's no bargain shop either anywhere is yeah there, no there should be the a bargain. vape shop a tattoo a shop a charity shop
3: yes and kirsty could work in it and, and save whales <laughs> she'd do that wouldn't she or,
12: yes or birds you said Birds. Oh,
3: birds no one likes birds so that's it so Fabrice <laughs> he needs to be binned as just oh he'd be all camp stereotype wouldn't yes, he yes
12: it's like Vidal Sassoon or something yeah where, do you know
3: what would be good if we found out the people in the farmhouse that Brian used to own um if they were like a sort of every town has their local big cheese hairdresser who's a bit flash has a white range and wins bar. awards that he
5: puts himself in wins for. awards that are self-paid for yeah. yes Right, we've got to go we've run out of time bye bye Oh, Catherine and Kate, you you are brilliant. That is absolutely fabulous. I love all of these. Uh, I mean, I just, yeah. The name Fabrice, I've got to say, there's a... A hairdresser near near me who only recently has retired called Uncle Roy. So they, but that oh. he's no uncle of mine, but everyone calls him Uncle Roy. So that's a slightly different name for a for a hairdresser. My question is: was your intention that Kirsty saves the mammal whales or the country whales? <laughs> I, I wasn't entirely sure about that one, but I love I love the plan. Um yeah, no other shops. You're right. But then I, I guess it is a village and villages near us just have the village shop, a pub, church, village hall, and that's it. So I suppose that's representative of Ambridge. But who cares? I just love this double act. Um, yes, I I would like you to call every week, both of you. It's hilarious.
6: It's fantastic. I, mean, I think Meg and Wendy from Cumbria last uh, last week were our first double act.
5: Yes, they, they um, need to mom, call back as well. Yeah,
6: mum and daughter. Now we've got Catherine and Kate? That's uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and, uh, uh Fabrice, I mean, he's a f- fabric freshener, isn't it?
5: <laughs> Maybe that's what he's using on Lillian's hair. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's why she came out looking like a zebra, zebra, right? Yeah. Um, they're right. Throw back to the fifties, of course. Yeah, this sort of camp stereotype. Yeah, I mean, I, I, suppose, I suppose one could imagine Lillian going to somebody like that. But oh dear, um, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, we've all got this image of Fabrice in our head, hem, 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 head haven't we? And I think yes. um, they've they captured him perfectly. Um, Catherine struggles every week with with remembering the character's name. She normally just resorts to thingy, <laughs> <laughs> thingy, thingy. Uh, this week it was Horobin Minor. I think Catherine will eventually remember that she's called Chelsea. So she wants Chelsea to wax Adam. Oh, God. Oh, God. Strip away and see if he's got any sense of humour. Oh, my word.
5: Very good.
6: Oh, well God. Don Quentin. But Kate, Kate's spot on as well. There are no other shops. They're right. I mean, why don't they do normal things? I mean, they do, there must be scope for a few more shops in there.
5: It's a village. Um, you, I just think when you've got a town near to you, all of those. But we yeah. don't hear about them even in uh, well you know, I think nearby.
6: We, we need more trips to Felpham, don't we? Yes. And um, so we can <laughs> we can get um, more of a, a bit of a retail boost in Ambridge. But they're, they're spot on. And I, I put on, on on Twitter the other day the fact that there are no there are no mechanics or anything like that in Ambridge. Nobody's car. Ever packs up. We think. When have you ever heard a, a garage scene? Uh, all car, all cars do, vehicles in Ambridge do, is run things over, peacocks a, or people.
5: It's the magic of Ambridge, isn't it? No car, but will, it's ordinary uh, will life, it. isn't it? It's normal.
6: It's yeah. ordinary life, and they're right. They're spot on. Um, so I mean, every other. Think about all the other soaps, you know, Corrie and EastEnders. Loads of. Garage mechanic scenes, are there? But,
5: but not an average. The person that knows cars best in the village is probably Tony. Can you imagine if he had a garage? People would just like fall asleep on the spot while he was giving them a quote. So maybe he did and it just didn't work. Yeah.
6: When, when will it be ready, Tony? Oh, in about oh, three years' time.
5: Well, I've yeah. got to paint my train set first yeah. and then I'll have to have some soup. And
6: then Natasha's throwing me out of my barn. So, <laughs> yeah. It uh, could be a while. But please, Catherine and Kate, you've got to phone in again.
5: Yes. All right.
6: Yeah. That's that's an order. It's not an instruction. Brilliant. Thank you very much.
5: Definitely. We'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and I'm wondering how to do it, here's how.
6: Yes, Philippa, this is the People's Podcast, isn't it? That's what we proclaim it as. And guess what we need? What is the secret ingredient, Philippa, for a People's Podcast? Brussels
2: Brussels sprouts.
6: Almost. It's <laughs> Coles. people. Coles, it's people. People. Um, so we need people to populate Dumpty Dum. And uh, one of the ways is to use a thing called SpeakPipe, which allows you to record a message or a plot prediction. And this is an exclusive announcement, folks. We've made it even simpler for you to use because we've set up a brand new link which takes you straight to it. So in future, go to this site, SpeakPipe dot com slash dum tdum that's speakpipe.com forward slash dum and i promise you it is easy peasy to use you can have as many goes as you like no one will ever know you've taken 40 tries so don't worry now another way uh, to record a message is to send a whatsapp voice note to this number do remember if you're calling from outside the UK to add a plus 44 and please keep it to a maximum of two minutes.
5: Now, we need to just quickly talk about Patreon. Patreon is a way of uh, tipping creators. If you go to patreon.com, type in Dumpty Dum, you'll see us there. Um, and uh, there are different levels of support, um, some of which get extra content. $2 a show gets you extra content and. Quentin, we need to put a date in the diary next week because we're filming the Christmas special, which involves something I may have sent you this week.
6: Yeah, something hideous arrived in the post <laughs> this week.
5: <laughs> it a, Fantastic.
6: It um, had a lot of uh, bubble wrap around it. Um, am I allowed to say what it is?
5: You are, yes, do.
6: <laughs> Those ghastly pickled eggs you kept threatening me, which I thought was a, was a joke and that they've actually arrived. And it's so it'll be like... I'm a celebrity, won't it? But they look <laughs> like they look they look like an animal's gonads, let's be honest. They they do not look nice.
5: You sent me a video of you unwrapping it and the, yeah, you you looked troubled, disgusted, scared, <laughs> yeah. or all, scared. all of the above, but never scared. mind. Um, but if you don't have um, the financial support, there is another way you can support us, and that's by going on to Apple, iTunes, and giving us a lovely review. We'd be so grateful for that. And this week, we need to give huge, huge thanks to Cathy from Qatar, don't we, Quentin? It was a lovely, lovely review.
6: She wrote very nice words, so thank you, Kathy. Yes, uh, and more of those bumps us up the charts, and uh, if we're seeing by more people more people listening there you go that's how it works folks so yeah uh, patreons and reviews are a big help thank you
5: and back to our calls next we have claire from clapham who has some more details on the legal proceedings involved with eviction hi dum-de-dum
12: it's claire from clapham your resident housing nerd here uh, just wanting to make some comments about the process for legal eviction in england um now, obviously, uh, Hazel Woolley does have the right to request the property if she wants to use it for her own purposes. Uh, it's a, a mandatory round, grounds for possession of the property, but um, you'd still have to give notice, and then you couldn't, even at the end of the notice, you can't evict people legally without having a formal court order and a warrant for possession of the bailiff. So um, this whole working from the property on commercial basis is not part of any tenancy law that I would recognise. I don't know where it's coming from and I don't know where it would fit into the standard reasons for seeking possession. But in any case, the process would still be the same. Uh, she'd have to go to court uh, and she'd have to get a warrant. And right now the court system is kind of backdated. Uh, obviously, COVID's had a big impact. Lots of um, evictions were put on hold during COVID, uh stay of execution for a lot of people. And um, the system is just getting back up to normal now um i would expect that uh, it would take quite a while to get a court date so i think that um you know um, tom and natasha will probably be could be quite heavily pregnant or even have a child by the time they get through that system um right now but um certainly they have no need to move in the near future uh, they have to they could sit it out until there's a proper court order now it's uncomfortable to do so and they should, they're definitely going to get evicted sometime but um any decent housing advisor would generally say to uh sit tight until there's a formal court order to do to move out and that's what they should do although they won't of course because it's the archers and none of it all makes much sense in real life anyway <laughs> keep up the good work speak to you soon
6: thanks claire from clapham um Bless her. She's gone through all the reasons, technically, why Tom and Natasha don't have to move out, and she's wasted her breath because, of course, as she says, it's Ambridge, and it yes. won't follow the rules with it. So, Claire, you've <laughs> wasted your time, but it's been very interesting hearing your expertise because she is, as you said, a, a re- our resident housing nerd. Because I think I'm pretty sure Claire works for Luton Council. I think in their in their planning and housing department, so she knows her onions, folks, or should that be vegetable wreaths? Anyway, um, uh, so technically I didn't know that you've got to get a formal court order and a warrant plus the backlog in the courts good point and of course you'll stand there heavily pregnant which judge in the land is going to throw her out of her house so technically they should be there for months in reality it's going to be a month isn't it Philippa?
5: i, d- I mean i just don't buy this with hazel so hazel's coming in january And possibly her new home is allegedly ready in April, although they're having trouble sourcing bits and bobs. That's three months, three months to lose good tenants. Uh, I think she's broke. I think Hazel's broke. She's got no money. She's going to be in there longer. It's not going to be a bolt hole. I think Um, she's getting her hands on the cheapest property which is the small squitty flat above the shop that's why they're out otherwise if you just got three months you wouldn't go through all of that because you're losing that income you're losing good tenants as I say they keep it nice and clean it it just doesn't stand up and also Tom and Natasha like how how are you getting how why do you want access to this why do you want to live here do they not understand the concept of renting that means it is not their property but anyway uh, hmm. uh, what what do you think? Hazel's broke,
6: a broken woman in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's something going on, clearly. Uh, or is she on a great big vendetta, uh, payback time? But um, before I forget, uh, good to hear Claire's expertise, but also good to hear a few calls back from Christine, of course, with her real life experience mm. that uh, they had to take their tenants to court because they wouldn't Gosh. move out. Um, so this is, this, this really does happen in, in, in real life. So, you know, who's <laughs> to say they won't get advice to stay put, but also I thought the archers at Bridge Farm were loaded. I mean, they got all that money from Justin.
5: Uh, um, well, exactly. What are they doing with that money?
6: Peggy, I think I'm right in saying when he was with Kirstie was going to buy them a house or had bought them a house. There's always pe- there's always the Peggy Bank, isn't there?
5: Yeah, I know um, some money in- Peggy
6: Bank, Peggy Bank, Peggy Bank.
5: Come on, come sorry, on, you you're, s- you're too quick, and I'm, I'm just too slow. I'm sorry. I'm I'm wasted, I'm sorry. wasted here I know I'm you wasted. are. I I apologise, um, and I've forgot what I was going to say now, as you so rudely interrupted me to prove your point. It's probably it's
6: probably a relief, isn't it? <laughs> like,
5: oh yes cheese school wasn't Helen setting up a cheese school that absolutely crash and burn Uh, she had about two people turn up and (laughs) they were just there to eat the cheese not actually get involved in making it so they were going to set up this whole new experience Mm. and this new building and turn it into that but I mean if they're going to continue the the theme of the nativity and out on the road out on the streets pregnant they have to convert the barn don't they that the the baby has to be born in a barn it, it has to happen
6: yes and i think with natasha stride benjamin before he crumbles from arthritis
5: Poor benjamin. i wondered where you're going with that one that Quentin. but it's fine it's all good but claire thank you thank you very <laughs> much and one from one professional to another we go to witherspoon who has views and thoughts on pat
2: Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs.
1: Mercy. Greetings, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's With spoon and Angus Haggis here. I was looking up two items in the Encyclopedia Britannica, meddling mothers and meddling mothers-in-law. And whose picture should I find for both articles but Pat Archer's? We just got through her trying to interfere with where Natasha should have her place of business, and this week, she called her son up to first criticize his wife, a definite no-no, and then request that he go to Susan to apologize to her for his wife, a double no-no. And then Tom, the son who was not nearly fully separated and individuated from his mom, goes and does so. It's besides the point that Susan deserved an apology, but lucky for Tom and Pat that it worked out that way. It would have been much better if Tom had stood up to his mother and told her to stop interfering. Then Natasha would have found out from Fallon and, mortified as she was on Friday, gone herself to apologize to Susan, which I imagine she will still do so. I'm I'm not done with Pat. Then she allows Hazel to grace her doorstep and is civil to her, even with knowing that she's evicting her son and daughter-in-law. Then she agrees to do Hazel's dirty work and go to bat for her with Tom and Natasha. It will be interesting to see how Natasha sets limits with Pat now that she's pregnant. It wasn't a great week for Natasha either. One thing I was mystified about was when she was arguing with Tom about the potential new house and said she could borrow from her credit card for the down payment for the purchase. What kind of sane loan officer at a bank is going to okay a mortgage when someone is borrowing the money for the down payment? No way, no how. At least I don't think so. Anyway, talk to you soon.
5: Thank you, Witherspoon. Wonderful as always. Yeah, Pat just doesn't realise she started all this nonsense, does she? And it's interesting to see the difference in money management views in a in a couple. Certainly, hearing it now with uh, Tom and Natasha. His view very much debt is bad, and her view debt is debt is great. Let's get let's get more of it. But I have another theory. And uh, this is about Tom. Tom is, I believe, a robot. He is the most boring man. He All the phrases he used were so trite this week. Spick and span, take no prisoners, down on us like a ton of bricks, make a right pig's ear of it, what's done is done. He's just coming up with this again and again. The thing he was most enthralled about was that someone had put potatoes on top of salad leaves in the boxes. I mean... What is going on with him, Quentin?
6: Well, he's he's not called Sausage Boy for nothing, is he? Um, I can't believe he's forty. I mean, he sounds about eighteen, doesn't he? Most of the time. Um, <laughs> yes. And I'm still puzzled as to why she didn't tell him straight away. Um, as you said before, is it his? Is it his? <laughs> um, I I, uh, I sort of ag- agree and disagree with, with Witherspoon. I, I don't see why. A mother or a mother-in-law can't actually express their opinion. But I just think the principal, I think. I, I think he was, she was bang out of order, and um, because they know their son so well, perhaps they realise unless we bloody well tell him to, that she's in the wrong. He won't, won't realise. So the fact that both Tony and Pat said, "Come on, you you owe Susan an apology," I thought was justified. So,
5: oh, I disagree with you there, Quentin. Excellent,
6: excellent. <laughs> the, the listening figures were sore. <laughs> Off you go.
5: <laughs> No, I completely disagree. He was being told like he's told everything. Move the this here. Do that. Drink this soup. Eat this pate. Sleep here. Do that. Oh no, I am totally with spoon. Pat is just bossing him about. That she, no she shouldn't tell him
6: that she shouldn't tell him that Natasha was wrong.
5: There are ways and means, but getting him to go and apologise. What she needs to do is give him the did, space. Which he did. Which he did. Yes, exactly. He shouldn't have done Prompted. it. He should have gone. Prompted, prompted yes. I'm saying it was wrong. It was wrong. Yeah, what what what, we needed.
6: Wrong to apologise to Susan.
5: It was for Natasha to apologise. It's not for Tom to apologise on Natasha's behalf. Natasha will be horrified, and she will apologise. Do you think so?
13: Do you think so?
5: Yes, she will. She will. but uh, no, it's uh, and I'm I've just stabbed my pencil in my chin now. That really hurts. I got oh. quite cross with you there. But yeah, anyway, great. yes. Um, she she, I, she bleeds.
6: She bleeds for this podcast, folks.
5: I'm bleeding Brussels sprout juice. I oh, think. I,
6: I, like, I think hmm. you could say anything to Tom. Why not? He's so irritated. He needs to be told. He
5: does. He wouldn't. And really maybe hurt. that's how it is because he is so boring. He can't actually think straight. But Natasha can think straight, and she doesn't need Pat. Oh, Pat's awful, dreadful
6: you think because natasha knows she will go and apologize to susan lee
5: well why would pat have her have hazel round and agree to help out i mean
6: I, I agree with, with – that's where I do agree with Witherspoon. Uh I thought Pat was pathetic, absolutely yes. pathetic, the way she's behaving. You're booting out my son and daughter-in-law, and now you want to come around and um, have a cup of tea and, and ask it's me an to smooth inspired. things over. She's been,
5: want me to help? Yeah. No problem. She's, she's lost her
6: spirit, Pat. Pat. The old Pat wouldn't put up for that nonsense, would she? Mm.
5: She wouldn't. That's what – That's what happens when you add extra ingredients into your pate, you see. You change.
6: Don't meddle with your pate, folks. You mentioned the credit card, which needed to come back because I've always banged on about this. You know, where has the credit card story gone? So I'm glad that got a little mention because I think that's still a problem brewing and she clearly isn't a change woman. She still thinks, oh, pile it on the credit cards. (laughs) Let's put a down payment on it for a mortgage. So she doesn't care how big the, the, the amount is. You could say, because she knows she's pregnant, that this is driving her out of desperation. You know, we need a house now, and I'm going to get one,
13: whatever
6: it costs. But she's still, still got a problem when it comes to credit, so I'm glad that reappeared.
5: Well, now we must go to Carolyn, who has a eulogy for Bert Fry.
11: Hello, this is Carolyn from Anglesey, and this is a eulogy for Bert Fry. A eulogy for Bert Fry. I'm a true country man with a true country style. I love my pretty garden where I would linger for a while. I grew all kinds of vegetables and a range of different fruit. I grew all kinds of flowers which I pampered from tip to root. Yes, I'm a country man to the core. A country man through and through. I'm the flower and produce king, so here's my wish for you. May your leeks be long and your carrots straight. May your onions grow both early and late. May your soil be rich and produce good crops. Enjoy your garden, for the fun never stops. Okay. That's all from me. That's also dedicated to my dad, who sadly died um, on Monday this week. Okay, thank you. Bye.
6: Oh, Carolyn, that's that's lovely to hear from you, and uh, what what a very touching poem as well, both mm. to, in memory of your father, and we're very sorry for your loss, and uh, mm. also Bert, because let's be honest, Bert's funeral was just reported, wasn't it? We knew that some nice poems had been read at his funeral, mm-hmm. but of course we heard none of it. So in, in a way, Carolyn, you've done us all a great service for the service we never heard, his funeral. So that was that was lovely. And um, if you haven't read Carolyn's regular post on our Facebook page, she puts up a suggested Saturday episode, doesn't she, on Facebook? Yes. Which has yes. loads of fans. So do, do have a look at that. But uh, very touching, Carolyn. Thank you.
5: Yeah, Carolyn, I'm so sorry about your news. Just sending a huge dum dum hug across the airways. You're fab on Facebook, as Quentin said. And uh, yes, yeah, so as for this funeral on Saturday, Tony said he was invited. Do you get invited to funerals now? I didn't think you did. Um, <laughs> never mind. Do you? I've never. You know, you you choose. You just to put a go. you put a
6: no, you put a notice out, don't you? And.
5: Yeah, and so you people do send out. Tony sent like out. actually had like a card in the post or something. And Tony planning Christmas cards and gifts at this point in the year is just too late. But enough about Tony. Carolyn, that was very moving. And uh, yes, may your onions grow early and late. Thank you. That was wonderful. And now we go to Dr. Becky. And uh, Dr. Becky has views on Hazel and the role of the Archers in our lives.
4: Hi, this is Becky, a.k.a. Dr Becky, Archers Oat Cake. I'm making a couple of points today. Firstly, like everyone else, I've been greatly enjoying the return of Hazel Woolley, a true pantomime villain, just in time for the Panto season. Much more interesting than the mystery plays, I think, and that tedious donkey saga. However, I do feel a certain amount of ageism at play here, and, dare I say it, disabilism too. Assuming Hazel is telling the truth, and she might not be, of course, she has been severely impacted by COVID, leaving her with ongoing symptoms such as breathlessness and fatigue. Hilariously, Peggy, who is in her late 90s, played by an actress who is 102, commented on how much her something year old stepdaughter had aged. When Peggy said this, my mind went into overdrive on just how awful Hazel might look. This brings us very close to a trope that is really common in the broader media, where ill health and loss of looks can be associated with evil. We saw this before with the terrible Rob, whose physical ailments were considered fair game for mockery by Ambridge residents and listeners alike. If anyone is interested, I wrote a book chapter about this in one of the academic archers' books, along with Professor Catherine Ronaldric Cole, who is another archers' addict. My second point, though, is much more personal and it's a reminder of the important role the archers can play in the lives of listeners, even when we enjoy complaining about it. My mum very sadly died last Sunday. And while I was doing the long drive back home a few days later, feeling completely shattered, I caught up on a few episodes of The Archers. The familiarity of the voices and the different storylines was very soothing. My mum would often buy me The Archers memorabilia for Christmas, and she was rather bemused by my addiction to it.
5: Oh, Dr. Becky, thank you so much for your call. I hope you weren't cut off there. Really appreciate it. Um, Just so sorry about your news. Uh, And I agree, yes, the Archers is um, an escape, a sort of a a blanket of reassurance. And we send you a, a blanket of love and comfort back over over the airways I hope you're doing okay Um, it's interesting the point you make about Hazel uh, and I can see exactly what you're saying I, I suppose I'm just not convinced that she really is ill I feel because and Peggy you're right did mention that she'd aged 20 years but nobody else has said anything about that so I don't know if she'd put on makeup to make her look worse. There just seems to be this shift from where she was when she arrived at Peggy's to the Hazel we're already seeing now. Um, She was impacted by walking up the stairs to the flat, but again, she didn't seem perturbed by that. So if she has had COVID and she's genuinely ill and remorseful and changed, then, you know, obviously my perception of her has to change. But if this is an evil twist then obviously it'll be different i i, I just don't know but you make a fair point and our thoughts are with you
6: yes um, um, i'm i'm loathe to argue with anybody with a doctor in front of their name because she, <laughs> yes. she, she writes for the academic archers and they're jolly clever
5: <laughs> they are. um
6: it, it hinges doesn't it becky on whether we believe she's had covid uh, she seems to be walking around most of ambridge quite ably isn't she sniffing about seeing <laughs> which who she can evict what properties she can buy who can she who, who she can upset so what's she putting on struggling up the stairs is it just a front which i was mentioning before which i won't be surprised about because it then as i said makes it harder for people to be nasty back mm. and she's cunning enough to do that so i'm afraid i am not convinced becky no. about this but um yeah those tropes about uh, ill health and loss of looks equaling somebody who is evil hadn't occurred to me more subtext i need to listen even more attentively Philippa, than i do already Mm -hmm. is that possible um and what you said about your mother uh, and the um comfort you got from listening to a few episodes of the archers because it's familiarity actually reminded me of there's a lovely reception wasn't there this week at clarence house to mark the 70th anniversary of the archers held by Mm. camilla uh, Duchess of Cornwall and she's a huge fan huge fan of the Archers and uh, they put on a special couple of special scenes uh, to be performed by some of the actors and she, she <laughs> I liked it she, she said she gets really ratty if she's disturbed or interrupted when she's listening to the Archers a bit like all of us and um, she says that uh, she said in her speech the Archers has been a faithful companion for a large part of my life she said, for as long as I can remember, I have loved this program, which chimes completely with what you just said, Becky. And for all its faults and for all our moaning and for all mm-hmm. our rib-taking, um, we, um, we do love it and we do enjoy it. And uh, uh, we're only here to make it even better, aren't we, Philippa?" <laughs>
5: Well, <laughs> well, we try, but I don't know Quentin. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't go that far. I think. Well, sort of I'm sure they're to make listening make to this work.
6: podcast. I'm sure <laughs> they sit. There. They, they have an editorial meeting. saying, now, what do they say on Dumpty Dum this week? We must. We, we must respond
5: accordingly. <laughs> of course, no. but now we must go to our last call of the week, and it's Catherine with a vital look at the housing issues of Ambridge.
3: Uh, ringing up about the bizarre housing situation in the Arches. So firstly, uh, Natasha says that we really should have a house of our own, well, a a spare room of our own, for God's sake, and a garden. Looked up, Tom, he's 41. He's been working for 20 years, presumably, and he has absolutely nothing to show for it at all, which seems bizarre, unless he'd been, you know, very unfortunate in some way. Um, Oliver, in a sort of socialist utopia, seems to fund for the Grundys to live in his house I do know that most uh, villages have some sort of post-war council housing. You can think of a village where I lived as a teen, and there was definitely a few little cul-de-sacs where people who had grown up in the village and whose families had lived in the village often for a few hundred years um, uh, lived and were the stalwarts of the village often, so the Grundys would have lived in one of those. The Beaches was built without any social housing in it at all, which I'm sure is against the law, or any starter homes. No one lives in there apart from Joy, and that's that. Um Alistair, who's a vet with a divorce payout and must have been in the sort of the generation where vets really were quite well off. I, I know it's a myth that they're all loaded. Um, he has nothing uh, to show for that, and in fact lives with uh, his father, and then they have this housing for Jazza, and they're thinking of extending the housing for Jazza, who by now would have moved in with Tracy easily. Um and we still don't know who lives in Keeper's Cottage, that's quite interesting, and they will never understand how Kate evicted her parents from her family home and they all still talk to each other. I know Brian had a debt to pay. I know she was cross about the the am and all that effect on her spiritual home, but I don't understand how she could have watched her, um, her parents be evicted and they seem to be slumming in a nice four-bedroom detached. So, yeah, what's happened with the housing in the Arches and why does nobody have a proper housing accommodation?
6: So this is the the call that Catherine alluded to in her previous double act call cool with Kate. So, and I know this generated quite a lot of interest on the old social medias. She threw in a bone of contention and uh, you know, she's right. I mean, the housing issue is just scattered over really. There is clearly a lack of social housing within Ambridge. Mm-hmm. Look at the struggles that poor Emma had for a start. And um, she mentioned, it wasn't quite a thingy moment for Catherine. She said the beaches, I think she meant Beechwood which Joy lives in. Uh, she's only Joy lives there, but Helen and Lee are there, aren't they, at the moment, and Kirsty's mm. old, old house. Um, but, um, yeah, there seems to be, a, a, for a for a village, a general lack of council housing. And the other point that she, she did tell me she ran out of time to, to say was that in terms of Kate, she says, you know, Kate lives with her millionaire grandmother. In, 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 in an inexplicably small two-bedroom house. I suppose Peggy might have downsized, but um, there are all sorts of weird housing setups, aren't they? <laughs> the the, the Jazz Alistair gym yes. thing is, is a bit odd. And Oliver living with the Grundys, I've mentioned this before, I can't see how that works. I really can't. And he's not short of a bob or two, Oliver, but he's there for the company perhaps.
5: It's all um, strange, isn't it?
6: We need Claire Asprey to walk in there and sort out Hmm. the housing in Ambridge.
5: I agree. I mean, it's it's like a lot of things in Ambridge. It's um, unreal in many ways. And maybe that's why, going back to the call from Dr Becky, it, it, it's a comfort as well because it's it's not real life. Certainly if the uh, residents of Ambridge moved as frequently as most people do, uh, you know, the characters would be gone, so they've got to keep them in Ambridge. But there does seem to be plenty of property going round for them to use, so I, I don't know. It's a mystery. But Catherine, your calls are exceptional. We love them. And those are the calls but you can send us an email or a text if you'd prefer. So how can dumpty dummers do that, Quentin?
6: Yep. Uh, If uh, you haven't, if you can't stir up the courage to uh, call in, then you can write in because you're very welcome to send a text to 07957. 167-696. 167-696. Remember, if you're texting from outside the UK to add a plus 44. Or if you prefer to send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the page. Do get your calls, emails and texts in just before noon on Sunday, as we record this at midday UK time. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments.
5: And so we go from our in erunners to our email and text
0: errors.
5: And our first email this week is from Charles, who's concerned about Hazel.
6: His subject is resistance is futile. And I think it's pretty futile as to why I'm reading this out, actually, uh, Philippa, but I'll have a go. When Hazel phoned Peggy to announce her impending arrival in Ambridge, I was first struck by how different Hazel seemed. My second reaction was to figure out who she sounded like. Her voice resembled someone's, but whose? Then it struck me, Alice Crege's portrayal of the Borg Queen in Star Trek, First Contact. The tone, the diction, the not quite emotional delivery. Hazel is the Borg Queen. Of course, it could be a coincidence, but I favor a different explanation. The scriptwriters intended Hazel 2.0 to sound like the Borg Queen. Evidence for my theory duly appeared when Hazel confronted Rex about the naming rights for the rewilded arable land. The land will be assimilated humans of average. Resistance is futile. <laughs> I know zero about Star Trek, so over to you, Philippa.
5: Uh, Well, first of all, I love the fact that Charles has refrained from sending in a script this time, based on (laughs) how awful my accent was last week. We massacred his last (laughs) one. Yes, but yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Forget Hazel being Gollum. She's the ball queen. I absolutely love this. She's just going to assimilate everybody, and uh, they they better watch out. If there's a a cube flying in the sky, then they they need to be on their lookout. So Charles, keep them coming. That was brilliant. But, But Quentin... You're, you must be so happy because we have an email. Our second email is from Anon of Ambridge. Oh, and I have dear. a question for you about Christmas cards. Here here we go. Oh, dear dear yeah. Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, I've heard that some people in Ambridge are taking photos for their Christmas cards. I didn't think that was a good idea. What do you think? Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Well, um, first of all, only take photos of people for, that you have your consent johnny seems very happy to take photos of susan when she tells him to delete them and he doesn't so don't do that but anon i would like you to take a photo of yourself for the christmas card and i would like to receive that christmas card so that i can work out we've had too many theories we need to know
6: oh dear anon um uh, what's what's your problem with photos on on Christmas cards? I mean, what 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 is their issue with this? It's fine. Isn't it? They do get themselves worked up about very little. Um, I mean, we have had an issue with photos, haven't we, in Ambridge, with uh, Lee claiming he had compromising pictures of his nasty neighbour Kyle. So well, that would
5: be a good photo if they used yeah, that one.
6: That, that would rush <laughs> rush off the shelves. And we had and we had the calendar girls as well. So we need some more. Of, some more contentious Christmas cards, but I've I'm, I'm got a problem with it, And on, Come on, get a life,
5: get a life. <laughs> Thank you for your calls and emails and texts. We value them so much. Keep them coming, please. And now on to our special bookish item. As you know, I have the Quick Book Reviews podcast and we've got this new feature, Dumdy Book Dum. Well, on a DumDe Dum Zoom, and this was ages ago. I think it was the, the, the Flower and Produce show. I was sitting there and I thought, oh, on Zoom, that's an author, Judy Astley, I spotted on the Dumdy Dum Zoom. So we had to get her on. And this is what she had to say. Judy, welcome to Dumdy Book Dum." Well, thank you. It's a delight to be here. Well, <laughs> I, I, it's coming up to Christmas time and uh, I think you've got a Christmas book. Is that right?
14: I have. It's not new this year, but I've got two. One is called... Um, it must have been the mistletoe, which is a slightly unfortunate thing because it sounds like you've eaten something. <laughs> it's a sort of rom-com fun thing. And the follow-up to that is a Merry Mistletoe wedding. So they're still around. I mean, they're they're probably quite cheap on, you know, deals on Amazon, etc.
5: Oh, great That's stuff. <laughs> it's always good to have a, a Christmas read, I think. Yes. To start feeling festive. So um I've, as I've mentioned, I've, I've spotted you on the dum dum flower and produce show on Zoom, but you have, apart from dum dum you have other Archers connections. Is that is that
14: correct? I do. I've been listening to the Archers probably for about 50 years, actually. When I was at college, my um, roommate, she was a great one for what was then the home service, sort of Radio for, And we'd listen to everything at lunchtime. So we'd have lunch, come back, have a little nap a bit of a read maybe do some work maybe not <laughs> um but we always had the archers on so i've i've been with it since before pat and tony got married and all that you know
5: wow yeah you know,
14: all, all through the whole thing but um the last 20 years or so i i opted for the archers anarchists who are my my tribe. The archers anarchists. Yeah. How, tell me more, please. Well, I, I even have a sticker on the back of my car saying, the archers are real, there is no caste. <laughs> that's the basic premise of the anarchists. There is no caste at all. Everybody is real. And most of them are absolutely awful, of course, which we <laughs>
5: like. That is wonderful. So if you had to pick one... Um, member of Ambridge, obviously not a character. I don't use the word character if you're in the, the <laughs> Archers Anarchist. Which person, which resident in Ambridge is your favourite, would you say?
14: Well, my favourite by far is Lillian. She's, she is jolly, she drinks, she's fun, she's got a filthy
5: laugh. Who's your worst, your least favourite person?
14: Well, I, along with everybody else, probably Shula. But then I quite enjoy hating her. Also Alan, he's so boring and so worthy and so hopeless. I was quite thrilled when he got drunk last week because that you know, positive attitude. And Moany Tony as well. Goodness sake, Tony, get a grip. Fantastic. Well,
5: Judy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. That's great.
6: 50, 50 years she's been listening. I
5: know, and the Archers Anarchists. Anarchists, yes. Anyway, we must go to Facebook and our lovely Dum-de-Dum community there as we sit back for the Roundup with our Stephen.
13: Hello, you two. Stephen here with the Social Media Roundup. It has been a dramatic week in Ambridge, And that has been reflected in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Hazel Woolley arrived in the village after an extended absence and seemed to have undergone a transformation. But did Dumpty Dummers believe that she had really changed? According to my poll, 184 of you thought that Hazel was faking it and that she had had some sort of wicked plan, while just eight of you believed that Hazel was a changed person and she really wants to contribute to village life. And one of those votes was made by mistake all of which just goes to show what a bright bunch you lot are. Sarah Evans was one of the Changed Person faction. I just like to hope for the best, she said. Emily Pettingill was in the other camp. I had no idea who she was to start with, Emily said on Monday, and for the first two episodes that featured her, I kept a fairly open mind. It became absolutely clear to me today, though, as I listened to that creepy voice talking about Daddy, that this woman is pure evil. Lee Bidmead had reached a similar conclusion, faking it, all that rubbish about Daddy needing to be mentioned on the rewilding website, just so pushy with Rex. Jean Bell added she never even visited dear Daddy when he was ill. So what was she up to in Ambridge? Carolyn Wright had a theory. She's after more money, without a doubt, Carolyn said. She's lost all hers and now she wants Peggy's inheritance. Might try to change Peggy's will, or put pressure on her somehow. But on Tuesday, Sarah Barber had come up with another theory. I think she's going to evict Tom and Natasha and move in. See? I told you that you're a bright bunch. After Hazel had told Tom and Natasha that she was evicting them, Sandra Jenkinson wondered whether any of us were surprised by her action. I don't think many of us were. Just the thought of Natasha moving in with Pat is brilliant. Can't wait for the fireworks," said Trina Hollis. Isn't it wonderful? Denise Tomlinson added. Joanne Smith expanded on this line of thinking. Oh, Tom. Such an entitled little idiot, she said. You can't do this. Why on earth not? Just because you're an archer that doesn't mean the sun shines out of your backside. She can do what she wants with her own property. Mind you, if she was evicting someone else I'd probably be more upset with Hazel. Suddenly, everybody seemed to have changed their opinion of Hazel. Absolutely love her, said Bailey Whelan. More Hazel, please. I wonder how she's lost her money. That wasn't the only shift of opinion on the Facebook group. Guy Williams asked, Does anybody have any sympathy for Susan after she was accused of being a gossip? Geraldine Meehan did. She had a brick through the shop window a few months ago, and has now experienced a verbal attack in the same place, Geraldine said. It must have been horrible for her. Joe Hardman did too. Yes, definitely, nobody should be treated like that for something they didn't do, she said. And then she added, or even if they did do it, they shouldn't be spoken to like that in front of others and given no chance to put their side forward. The fact that Susan has spread much gossip on other occasions is irrelevant. Sadly I haven't got time to get into everything that went on in the Facebook group this week. Joan Dines Reynolds wondered whether any of the villagers might appear as ghosts in Hazel's dreams to encourage a Scrooge-like conversion. Darcy Jorgensen wondered whether the mention of the icy stairs up to the flat might be foreshadowing somebody falling down them. Andrew Stainthorpe shared a piece about the 70th anniversary Archer's event at Clarence House. And Peter Fox found evidence that Jack Reacher had been in Ambridge, driving a backhoe at Grange Farm. To learn more about all of those, you'll just have to visit the Facebook group. I will end with a final thought about Hazel Woolley. Sarah Passingham pointed out that not everybody in Ambridge has taken against her, although Sarah herself had. Hazel is a thug in a tweed skirt, she said, but she went on. The fact that Hilda sees her as a friend and an ally speaks volumes to me. In fact, I can see a spin-off podcast from Hilda and Hazel. So, I think we need a poll this week on who would like Philippa and Quentin to carry on hosting Dumpty Dum, and who would like to see a takeover by Hilda and Hazel. And on that bombshell, I'll hand you back to the studio.
5: Well, Stephen, what what is this about us being replaced by Hazel and Hilda? Well, that's got me worried, has it worried you, Quentin? um
6: well if you want a nasty podcast that'd be ideal wouldn't they fantastic the two h's h and h i'd have come up with one new slot that they could come up with uh for their podcast um instead of thought for the day that uh, they could have pause for thought p-a-w-s pause for thought
5: oh, which clever. actually could
6: be even better bearing in mind all the evictions we could call it uh clause for thought
5: that sounds Smelt, perfect. Both ways.
6: Perfect, see. I think we just talked ourselves out of a podcast there.
5: Uh, yeah, I think we have. Anyway, thank you, Stephen. And everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. What a great community. Do join us there.
6: We're also on Twitter, of course, under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team moors include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A. That's so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets as well. Also, try and include at dumptdum in your tweet so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing.
5: As well as at dumptdum. We're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBookReview with a three instead of a W. How about you, Quentin?
6: You'll find me at 13MinuteMan. That's one three minute man.
5: So now it's time to crown our Tweeters of the Week.
6: It's a good one this week. Philip, it's a good one. Uh, in bronze position. We have Elizabeth Democracy Depends on Accountability at Elizabeth Banks. And she says, Hazel Woolley is played by Annette Badland. I love nominative determinism in all its forms. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Guess your bronze. Bob Hawkins at Salvatore Rosa has picked up a silver for this. Nothing says you care more than a personally stunned turkey. i stunned it myself <laughs> tuck in that's yeah. great yeah right but gold is really gold this week because it goes to finton t at finton the wrong and he posted this he said i wish susan was still on radio borsetshire and she and he said i hope everyone reads this in susan's radio voice
3: That was Common People by Pulp. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to rent a flat above a shop, but Jarvis said it's a bit common, and he's on Radio 4 now. Anyways, I'm off home to the house my Neil built for me. (laughs)
6: Bye. We got you, Susan, (laughs) Fintancy. Oh, in the, uh, in the in the shape and form of our wonderful friend Shambridge, otherwise wonderful. known as Harriet Carmichael, and um, you wanted it in Susan's radio voice, and, and you got it, Finton. And um, as ever, we would always recommend going listen to Shambridge's podcast for even more of her great voices. So, uh, Finton, the wrong, you are right this week. You got gold.
5: Yeah, Shambridge. I mean, Shambridge just these brilliant podcasts. They're very short. They um, they just always make make me laugh. So yes, if you type in Shambridge in your podcast app of choice, you will you will find it there. I thought that was utterly brilliant, and that sh- that's how to do a good uh, accent um, and, and voice in Whereas I completely failed. So you, <laughs> Shambridge. That is wonderful.
6: And I Dead Ringers had a sketch this week about the Archers, and it wasn't bad. They had a Clary Eddie skit, Clary Wasn't Bad, the voices. But honestly, they're, they're not a patch on Shambridge. Why don't they fe- get her then? Exactly. Any
5: female. She's amazing.
6: Ambridge voice. They should bring in Harriet straight away because she's brilliant. So thank you, uh, Harriet. That's uh, definitely the best tweet of the week we've ever had.
5: Yes, absolutely. But we need to start winding down, Quentin. The end is in sight. So we need to say, obviously, thanks to Shambridge for that. But thanks again to Mia for her dum-de-dum tune and to Rob, Linda or Lindy Lou, formerly cycling Christine, Claire from Clapham, Helen from Rotherham, Carolyn from Anglesey, God Squad Mia, Catherine and Kate, Witherspoon, Dr Becky, Charles, Catherine and Anna of Ambridge and the author Judy Astley for their contributions.
6: Thanks also, as ever, to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge, as we just said, for her incredible voices, especially her Susan in Tweet of the Week, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman, who we're delighted to hear is getting back on her feet, and Royfield Brown, who celebrated his birthday on Thursday. Happy birthday, Royfield.
5: Happy birthday, indeed. So what will be revealed next week? Will Natasha put an offer in to buy Home Farm from the Gills? If she uses all ten credit cards, she could just about manage it. Will the Montbelliards hire a solicitor to remove their image from Tony's Christmas cards? They did not give their consent. Will Kirsty feel so sorry for Fallon blabbing to Hazel that she kicks Helen and Lee out of her house and gives it to Natasha and Tom? And will Susan's clothes, wet and stinking, be put in another time capsule to stop the immediate smell? What a gift for the future. All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a bye bye from me.
6: And I need to shower to get rid of this awful smell. Bye bye.